All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here back on Turnbuckle Talk. Hey, what's up, guys? Of course, powered by thegorillaposition.com and proud part of the Roar Network. Yes, we are. All right, Carl, there has been quite a bit, uh, again, going on in the processing business here. Another week has come and gone. And let's start off with uh, something really, really cool, at least in my opinion, that a real highlight for, you know, at least uh, when it comes to non-localized professional wrestling, NXT TakeOver. TakeOver, once again, <laughs> went out there, hit it out of the park, and made just an amazing show to watch. Yeah, absolutely. In the fewest words there, that definitely sums it up. They, again, again. in my opinion, showed up the main show. Honestly, it always does. I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what's going on, but TakeOver always seems to overtake the main roster show's every single time that there is one that's back-to-back. It almost kind of feels, you know, to me when I... I think a good example, at least for me personally, when it comes to something in a comparison to this, would be watching professional football versus, like, a college football or uh, maybe a slightly lower level. It just it feels like at that slightly lower level that you know, there seems to be more intensity, more excitement because there's there's a drive, you know, for these guys to make the big times and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like once they get to that top, like it almost feels like it, it dips a little bit. You know, at least that's the impression I kind of get to kind of a comparison to make there. Yeah, that comparison I think is really, really good when it comes to uh, all of that, uh, you know, especially with the, you know, you're trying to make it, you're trying to get to that big time, you're trying to get to the big leagues and stuff happening all there. And then uh, once you get there, it almost becomes like complacency, I guess you could almost say, where you just kind of get compliant and, and, and you fall into a complacency of, yeah, I'm already here, so I really don't need to do a whole lot more but show up and go out there and put on a little match and go home, mm-hmm. right? Now, to touch on some of the matches that did happen, you know, I will say, you know, overall, great show. It wasn't without its few kind of odd things. It ref the bat. Um, Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono was originally, as far as I know, planned to kind of be part of that show, and then they, they kind of changed that. I understand kind of why they're, they're doing that, but... Uh, the women's championship match with Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. Wait, bro. Bro. We're not going to talk about what happened? Mm. Yeah, we can. Yeah, I think yeah. we definitely should. We, mm-hmm. I mean, we should we should 100% talk about how Cassius Ono uh, on the pre-show says, you know, I'm going to go out there, Matt Riddle, and in next week or two weeks, whenever it is, and I'm, I'm going to, within seconds, I'm going to knock you out, mm-hmm. and you're just going to be done. You're just going to be a laughing stock. So then we come to the show, and, and Matt Riddle essentially opens the show, yep. and he comes down there, and his music is going, and he's barefoot. Yep. going to the ring and he gets into the ring and then he's like, oh, well, I wasn't supposed to have a match, but we're here now. So, uh, yeah, let's do this, Cassius Ono. And then Cassius Ono comes out and like, I think probably the quickest knockout and pin in history that I've ever <laughs> seen happens. Yeah. Matt Riddle with a knee strike to Cassius Ono out pins one two three like over yeah really <laughs> what the hell yeah it's uh interesting to see what uh more will become of this uh going more with matt riddle i'm actually kind of glad that you kind of brought us back over to this when it comes to him getting beyond nxt and you know because eventually 
you know, it's going to get either NXT is going to come to a bit of a higher level, become that third brand, or he'll go over to the main roster shows. Do you see him or WWE letting him continue with that uh, shoeless gimmick? Thank you, probably. And they made it work, mm-hmm. right? Um, today, though, I really hope not because. I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's a different time. It's a different period. Yeah. I understand former MMA, whatever you went out there barefoot. I get it. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. But this is a totally different world now. And I don't know. I, I, I think, it, I think it should almost be a written rule that you need to be wearing footwear. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, back in the day we saw it with uh, Kevin Von Erich, he um, mm-hmm. probably one of the more notable ones that, that did it. But I think modern day, you know, it's not so much I think to do with his character because I think it works for his character. For me, I think it just kind of comes down to just the potential for injury being barefoot in the ring. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, all it's going to take is one person to step on that foot or to come down off of the uh, the top rope or whatever for a double axe handle onto the person while he's stand while Matt Riddle's standing up, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's going to happen? It's going to happen that he's he's going to hit his foot with his, with his boot on. He could break some toes. Who yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, because don't get me wrong, I, I, I love his character with the bro thing. He comes up almost kind of aloof, kind of in his character, and he comes in and kicks the, uh, you know, jumps up, kicks the the flip flops off. Like it, that that stuff is great. But in the big picture wise, just being barefoot in the ring, there's always the potential there. That's my biggest fear is the inju- the, the possibility for injury. So. so we're spending a lot more time than we actually should on this. But <laughs> you're you're you like the whole Matt Riddle thing that's I, happening. I like the character. I really do. Wow. Yeah. I I'm not a fan at not all. Fan. No, Fair I enough. am not a fan. I'm definitely a fan of the Bros. Wow. Yes. So going to that uh, women's championship match, mm-hmm. um, to me that was kind of really the only. There was definitely some good there. I thought there was some good work in the ring, especially from from Sane. The Shane Baszler thing that just keeps uh, this kind of keeps coming up whenever she has a match. That um, you know, the majority of the match. Good from that one side again brings up this aspect of the MMA and wrestling thing, which I'm still not a fan of. That finish to that match, I don't like it. And I, I, this whole deal of you know she was basically getting her ass handed to her throughout during that match, only just to bounce back right at the end and win with a quick roll up pin win. Yeah, I oh. mean. <laughs> she really didn't just bounce back. I mean, there you you got if you take a look at it, you're right. Kyrie Sane was was in the ring, and yeah, she was beating her up. She was doing a good job. She was doing some flying elbows off of the top rope onto uh, Shayna Baszler. But then there was a lull. There was a period where the four horsewomen came in there, yeah. or the rest of them mm-hmm. uh, came in there, and, and really allowed there to be a time for recuperation of Shayna Baszler mm-hmm. before Kyrie Sane went to go back up to the top rope to try that again and get caught with the roll-up pin, right? Um, I'm not a fan of Shayna Baszler. I really am not. But in that respect, I kind of have to defend that. Do I think it was stupid to have just a quick little roll-up finish to end off a two out of three falls match? Yes, Mm -hmm. 100%. That was a ridiculous move. But, yeah, I don't know. To me, like it just it conflicts with what they're trying to portray. They, you know, they're trying to portray her as this, you know, again one of those MMA ones where she's indestructible and she can kick kick the the hell out of anybody that she wants. But then to have to kind of squeak it out in kind of a an underhanded kind of way like that to me, I don't know. Just it, it 
you know, when you're trying to portray this dominance, only to then have to look to try and do that kind of thing. And to me, it just it kind of takes me out of it. I mean, and back to the discussion that we had in a previous episode here with the uh, them portraying them as professional wrestlers, I, I really still am of the uh, the belief that that you call them a fighter and that that approach could work, but it's yeah. all in the way that you handle it, which I think that they're kind of, I get the, uh, the, the interest in it, but I think they just, they need to do some tweaking there. I, I think so as well. I, and I mean, mm-hmm. like this match was supposed to be between the two of them, between Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler, two out of three falls mm-hmm. match, supposed to be this big, huge, epic thing that was going to happen. You know what? The biggest thing I remember from that match was Yoshirai. Yeah. Absolutely. My word, did you see that <laughs> yeah. move from Io Shirai near the end of the match? My word. Yeah, and why Why am I talking about Io Shirai right now when we should be talking about Kairi Sane and Shayna Baszler? Right? right? Yeah. Just another, another thing there where I think that you didn't need the rest of Shayna Baszler's crew out there yeah. to be able to cause any interference, which would then bring out, you know, Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, and like it just was not needed at all because now Io Shirai is on my mind and she overtook that entire match. Yeah, I think they definitely need to be shifting their focus over to, to her because I think she's, out of the out of the three that have come over, definitely has the most potential. A weird thing with this too is when you look at her, when you look at Asuka and you look at Kari Sane and Io Shirai, they have Asuka and... Curry trying to talk a lot of English and arguably not very good at it. He probably speaks the best English out of the three, and yeah. they have her talking Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's so bizarre to me. Yeah, me too. You know, so I think that, uh, that there's a potential there, you know, possibly stable with the three of them maybe at some point. I think it uh, could be an interesting thing. We'll see what uh, will become of that. But I think definitely out of the three, you know, she has that whole package that I think that, that they are really looking for. Yep. Whether they can take advantage of it and do some good with it remains to be seen. That's right. So I think um, for me, the next uh, kind of big match to kind of talk about, I think my, I'm torn whether this is my match of the night because I thought they were both good, but Velveteen Dream versus Champa. Another example <laughs> of why NXT essentially is the best and most dominant brand Mm -hmm. when it comes to the world wrestling entertainment right now and why it still is not considered the third brand Mm -hmm. and put out there nationally instead of just on the network (laughs) is totally beyond me because that's what it is. It is the dominant brand right now and doing so good because of matches like these that we're seeing and especially velveteen dream yeah we had him once again coming out in a direct uh homage reference to hulk hogan and that hollywood hulk hogan uh, attire i mean and you know something with this too and we had mentioned previously that uh, you know that dream was essentially getting over with character and still you know kind of working on his entering stuff. You could tell he's definitely been working on that, and uh, Ciampa definitely helped uh, kind of tie it all together. And we definitely saw a bit more of the uh, the chain wrestling and that kind of stuff. Dream is clearly putting in the work when it comes to the entering stuff. It's getting better and better and better each time. It definitely is. And just character-wise, I mean... <laughs> Patrick is doing such an amazing job when it comes to the Velveteen Dream character. Really, if you have not seen what he wore during that match, you need to go to the Googles and you need (laughs) to find it. You have to go and look up Velveteen Dream 
NXT TakeOver War Games 2. Mm-hmm. Like Joe said, I mean, a whole homage to uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan is what it was. He came out with this, this shirt on that said OVA on it, looking like the NWO logo, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, it was just an amazing thing to see he came out with black and white feather boas on him like uh, just everything about the character that that he has been creating and doing has been simply phenomenal and i am happy about that Mm -hmm. and even happier that as you said he is now going through and that character is becoming more and more of an actual character in the ring and worker in the ring that we're bringing the entire package all together when it comes to Velveteen Dream. Now, my only concern with him not winning the match is this potential because we're getting really close, if not right upon us now for the next batch of call-ups. I really, really don't. I'm really hoping that they don't include him in that. Cause like we mentioned Patrick is still very, very young. I think 23, 22, yep. 23, you know, I think that you you keep him in NXT, especially if we're going to transition to this third brand aspect, and you can build around him and Ciampa and Gargano and those guys. Alistair Black, I think, is another one that I think that should stay in NXT. You know, you can build a third brand around those guys. 100% you could, and you're right, and I agree. I hope that he is not part of any NXT call-up that happens. I hope not. So I think, at least in my opinion, the match of the night. forgot to mention at the top of this, this was the War Games takeover, the War Games match. Two rings, <laughs> one cage, two teams, and they only kept it two teams this yes. year, which was really nice to see. I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I literally am speechless when it comes to this yep. match. It honestly had a little bit of absolutely everything that you would want to see in a professional wrestling match. Yeah, there were some pretty wild spots that they hit. Um one thing that I'll mention, because I think this was, for whatever reason, this was like a point of contention amongst some, especially the interwrestling community, with the uh, other team, with uh, with War Raiders and Ricochet and P. Dunn, with them all wearing the uh, the war face paint. What did you think of that? What's what's wrong with that? Because I liked it too, but yeah. a lot of these people are, are on uh, the internet are complaining, oh, this looks stupid. I mean, th- th- they're th- they're part of that team. Of, of course, they're, they're going to kind of embrace that. Look, I, I think that it worked. It, it made them look like a team. Exactly, one hundred percent. It did. I mean, point. Any other time that you would have had like uh, a demolition go out there Mm -hmm. with with another team or whatever, that other team or that other person even would kind of put on a little bit of face paint just for themselves as well and go out there and be part of and included in that. War Raiders right now are are they shouldn't be trying to be but they are trying to get over with everyone in nxt and get over as being the dominant tag team in nxt right now which they shouldn't have to they should be already um but what a perfect way for this to show that they are the dominant ones because now you've got the north american champion and the united kingdom champion both putting on face paint or war paint to be included with these two, right? So, I mean, for me, that was only just a boost for war raiders themselves as opposed to any type of hindrance or hokey stupid crap. (laughs) And uh, Hanson, you know, Roe is amazing too, but Hanson, he's a... 
he's a big guy. There's no beating around the bush. But I mean, when it comes to moving around a ring and some of the th- stuff that he does, I mean, I'm, I'm left kind of speechless. Like he does like cartwheels and he does cannonballs and flips and that kind of stuff. Stuff that a big guy like that shouldn't be able to do. <laughs> I mean, he, it, it's it's a pleasure to watch him do his thing. Guy reminds <laughs> me of another Bam Bam Bigelow or Even Vader. So. Yeah, like I mean. If, yeah. if if Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow had a baby, yeah. there you go. Yeah. And at the end of that match, to have uh, Pete Dunne and Ricochet kind of celebrating together on the top of the uh, top like that, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. That I think I cool. saw at one point they like clang the the, the belts together at yep. one point. Like wow, yep. wow. Yeah. They let and they, they did it in a clever way because they're celebrating together, but yet at the same time it's kind of like okay, it's remember it's still on at some point between the two of us, right? So. That's right, and and it was just very simple. And again, I come back to that's all you need in professional wrestling, as we have said on previous podcasts before. Yeah. Just that little simplicity, the little things, and it was Pete Dunne that did it. Because all he did was he just kind of tilted his head yep. and looked at that North American championship and then looked back up and then looked again, tilted his head and looked at that championship and then kind of gave a little smirk. Yeah. And that was all that was needed to know, okay, it's on at some yeah. point between these two. Because I know there was some debate uh, you know, amongst some other wrestling fans with you know, all these titles being tied up in this one match and none of them being on the line. You know, I think that this, at the end of this, makes up for that. And uh, like I said, you know, it's they made that reference to it. You know, it's not over between the two of us. We were together as a team tonight, but at some point, it's on like Donkey Kong. That's right. Right. So, so we went from NXT Takeover, Carl, to I will be straightforward with everybody right now. I did not watch Survivor Series. Wait, Survivor <laughs> Series happened? Yes, I, I for the first time in a long time. You know, and it wasn't just because of out of out of ignorance. You know, I did have some other stuff going on, work and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I did not get a chance to watch Survivor Series this time. Unfortunately, <laughs> I never get a chance to see any of the pay per views until after they have been yeah. uh, aired because I work Sundays yep. and I work Sunday evenings, so it's very hard for me to watch any of the pay-per-views uh thankfully i do in canada have the wwe network Mm -hmm. so i am able to go back and relive and watch them at some point um but honestly i have not even had time to go and take a look at survivor series at all i've been so busy with work and other things that i just i haven't had the chance to yeah i think that uh, you know we can definitely you know we've seen the results of one stuff that happened one thing that I wasn't really a fan of was that everybody was kind of wearing the Raw and Smackdown shirts and that kind of stuff I think I kind of took some of those kind of people out of the, the characters that they were trying to portray and with the uh, the main thing I think to kind of touch on here was uh, obviously that they had a clean sweep for Raw yeah I mean, we know that but with the the Ronda and um, Charlotte match, you know, we saw a very abrupt kind of uh, kind of change with Charlotte uh, becoming the the heel again, which uh, again I'm all for. But we definitely saw something happen here, Carl. That uh, and I'm assuming that this is possibly probably part of the storyline went up. But we saw a hint at what I mentioned before with Ronda and her fragile ego. After this match happened, she very much looked like she was very legitimately upset for kind of getting her ass handed to her after the match was done and i'm 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 happy (laughs) that you brought that up because that is a concern that we had on a previous podcast i do believe last week we had we had talked about that and uh yeah 
you could see. I didn't get to see a video of it at all, but I did see uh, photos, whether it was yeah. on Instagram or whether it was on Twitter or Facebook. I did get to see some photos of the aftermath. And uh, yeah, Ronda Rousey looked like she lost her best friend and yeah. that her dog got killed <laughs> and that her goldfish died and <laughs> that you know all yeah. of this stuff happened within the last hour and you know yeah that's the way it, it, it really looked and and uh, fragile ego yeah you like you that's that's it right there yeah so we'll see what happens with that going forward as we mentioned you know with her um, UFC career and with Strike Force that she very much had this persona and you do get to see a little bit of it interesting that when it comes to before the match you know the very badass kind of appearance and then when she loses it's very much you know the very much the sad you know woes me type thing uh, you know she has a, that like I said that fragile ego and we're, we're seeing a little bit of it now so we'll see going forward how that kind of pans out because we know that they probably have big, big plans to bring all these uh, four horse women together at some point so yeah time will tell whether she'll have a long run or whether it'll be short and how it'll all kind of pan out so yeah definitely we'll have to see yep and this kind of goes into, you know, ties into this topic as well. And I'm, I'm curious to see what your opinion on this is. And this has to do with very quick heel and face turns when it comes to characters. You know, mainly in a WWE context. Um, <clears throat> honestly, for, for myself, like, lines are really blurred no matter what between you know face and heel uh to begin with so i mean to to have the um characterization of oh this person's now heel or this person's now face or whatever i for the most part i don't see that in a lot of the uh characters and personas that are out there right now i i find a lot of it to be very neutral mm -hmm. when it comes to um the characters and whether they're a good guy or a bad guy i a lot of it is just very neutral so it's it's no surprise right if it, because that's only that's perception yeah right it's it's fan perception of oh they just turned heel or oh they just went face and oh they went back again and you know like the the whole big show effect mm -hmm. right and, and screw the butterfly effect this is a big show effect <laughs> right yeah. but that's that's for me anyways it has no effect on me i really don't feel any type of connection to any of that at all because a lot of it is just very neutral. I would definitely agree with the major companies, and like I said, specifically within WWE, it seems to be something that really is happening lately, that there's a lot more of this gray area where, where people are in between or they're quickly bouncing back and forth, and mm -hmm. it really seems to be a way of this going with WWE. I would say, you know, with the independent wrestling scene, that uh, it's still pretty much, you know, the heel versus the face type thing, although you're seeing little bits of that with, uh, you know, in a, some different companies, but uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, been a big change in the industry of professional wrestling that we're, we went from there being always usually... Most of the time, a clear-cut good guy and bad guy. Yep. To now where it's this in-between stuff. Yeah. So whether it's a good or bad thing going forward, you know, we'll really have to see. That's right. So, and when it comes to good and bad things, I think that uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And we're yeah. going to talk about something that maybe could be good, maybe could be bad, with a former talent kind of showing up at Survivor Series. Yeah. So we'll take a brief break here and hear from some of our friends. 
Tired of mainstream media lies and deception? Need a hard dose of reality? Put on your sunglasses, swallow that red pill, and tune into London Rising, your epic mix of music, news, and freedom. Tune in weekly with me, your host, Gunstar Hero out of London, Ontario, Canada, as I mix up breaking news, hard-hitting commentary, trigger warnings galore, and eclectic epic slate of unforgettable music tracks including metal, punk, classic rock, country, and even some hip-hop in for good measure, only on the Podbean Network. This is Michael Melkor, executive editor of TheGorillaPosition.com and co-host of Going Home with Ryan and Mike, and you are listening to Turnbuckle Talk. Hey, it's Big Joe and Carl Carafel here back on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are. And what do we got on deck right now? Still something to do somewhat kind of indirectly to do with Survivor Series. And this has to do with an appearance of a former talent who, let's just say, left the company in a very non-gracious kind of way. Uh, First, I have a question for you. Yes. How you doing? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, so that kind of gives away right there. Enzo, former WWE talent, Enzo Amore, showing up um, ringside at Survivor Series and, for lack of a better term, causing a bit of a commotion there, Carl. Yeah, 100% he did. And I was it intentional? 100%. I'm pretty sure that it was. For a while, he was hidden. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, he had like this wig on and he had like a hood up and like he was trying to stay like pretty hidden. Yeah. Um, and then after, you know, it kind of broke out there on social media and stuff that he was there and people were noticing him and snapping photos of him. He was just kind of like, well, all right, cat's out of the bag. Yeah, he was kind of just kind of quietly staying on the way kind of Kenny from South Park kind of mode there and then kind of bouncing up and you know it's interesting when you look into it you know this is where you know you see some hilarious stuff out there from the internet wrestling community to where oh this is all Vince's idea this is all work within WWE I would say judging by from what I've seen and what ha- has happened afterwards no chance in hell that that was something within WWE that was playing at all no 100% <laughs> it was not yeah, there, there's nothing there to lead me to believe that there was. I mean, even people in the ring and people in commentary never mentioned it, never even looked in that general direction. No, they didn't. 100%, they did not. Now, do we know what it really was? I think that uh, it's a pretty safe bet. Okay. Yeah. What do you think that it was? I think that this was merely promoting his show that he was doing the following night. That is exactly what I have seen and what I have heard as well. We do know that after he was removed from the building, that he was out in the parking lot and he was actually putting out flyers for a show that he was doing the next night in the same area. So, yeah, yeah, just a shameless plug and promotion is really all that it was. And for himself, at least, garnered a lot of attention. And did this help his uh, attendance at this uh, show that happened? No. 
No, it did not. <laughs> so you got a lot of media attention and, and social media and whatnot. Um, but for as for trying to improve turnout for his show, yeah, not so much. No. So will, no. will this lead to something for him further down the road and some other kind of wrestling capacity with a company or something? Maybe I think pretty pretty slim. You know, he kind of. I saw a little bit. Uh, I think it was a, a fan video at the end. There was a little bit of like he clotheslined some guys and he did a stunner at some point on somebody. So he definitely incorporated the wrestling stuff in there and talked about you know the fact that uh, he was bullied backstage and that you know he stood up for himself and punched some people in the face and whatnot. So he tried yeah. to re- turn very much into a positive for himself. You know, so you know. We'll see what uh, becomes. Honestly, I don't think that, um, that much will happen to this, at least in a wrestling context. Will he have any kind of career outside the business? Possibly. But, uh, you know, this will probably be one of the last times we talk about him. <laughs> I think I, I, the biggest question to come out of this entire thing with Enzo Amore right now. Now, we know that he went in and he was there and he he bought a ticket and he was there for the show. Yep. And then he was kicked out of the show. He was literally like pulled down from the chairs and, and taken out of the show. Did they give him his collectible chair? I doubt it. Oh. I doubt it. Right? Oh. Should have just kept his mouth shut, stayed in the candy from South Park gimmick, and then he could have walked away with at least a souvenir. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Enzo always wanted to speak his mind. So, you know, if there was ever a chance of them considering to have him back, I would say now you just really messed it up. If there was even a remote possibility, which there probably wasn't anyways. Well, I do have to put out there then that if anyone within the <laughs> WWE is listening to this podcast and wants to send that chair that was Enzo Amore's seat to me, <laughs> you can definitely find me on social media. We will plug that at the end for you and make sure that you get a hold of me because I will definitely take that chair. Mm-hmm. So going from that to a bit of a negative experience with WWE to, in my opinion, anyways, a very positive thing to do with some local professional wrestling. Canadian Wrestling's Elite once again came through Sault Ste. Marie on a, how many days was it? A 20 21 a 30 i believe it was 31 days total 31 day cross canada ish tour Mm -hmm. now i say cross canada ish because they're um they they usually go from winnipeg they go out all the way to british columbia then they come all the way back through winnipeg again through winnipeg manitoba into thunder bay into the sioux and they've actually branched out a little bit further now and uh tonight they are actually in sudbury Mm -hmm. ontario so really staying within the northern ontario area right now yep so i had the chance to go to the show in person and you know there were definitely some um some interesting things that, that happened. And, you know, right off the bat, I mean, we had a chance to, we have been promoting on this podcast, got a chance to meet the kingdom from Ring of Honor. How exciting was <laughs> that? Right, getting to, to rub shoulders with these guys in, in uh, the, uh, the grill position. And even at one point, I haven't mentioned this to you, uh, Carl, at some point, you know, I didn't get physically involved in a match, but we did actually go out. There was a, a moment where, where it was um, Danny versus uh, Vinny uh, yeah. Marsigli. Mar- I'm probably saying his last name wrong. I'm, I'm really bad with Italian last names. <laughs> they had a match for that CWE um, championship, and a injury happened with Vinny, and they we were, I was actually in the gorilla position with uh, 
both with with Taven and uh, TKO, and they were like, "You guys run out and go 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 check on him." He sold this arm injury. It was like, like he was selling. Like it was like he was saying that his shoulder had popped out or something. He sold that, and he had us all going as if it was a legit injury. Really? And then we went to the grill position, and he did a run back out while Danny his back turned. So I got to be kind of a small part of this thing. Um, so that that, that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, it was just it was. When it comes to this local wrestling stuff, it really does feel like it's almost like a reunion. I mean, it's almost like a family reunion, but it's a reunion of fans because you get to see the same kind of people uh, coming out and whatnot. So yeah, it was just a, it was a, a cool night, and we even got to, I got to see some of our local guys, uh, Vinny and uh, Diego, in a match, and Vinny did a pretty crazy spot as well. And uh, there's some video on Facebook about it. He, for lack of a better term, did a dive off of. A hand railing, probably I'd say about ten feet or so up, and uh, yeah, it was just a fun night to be part of. We will definitely make sure <laughs> that that video for yeah. you guys gets up onto our uh, Facebook page. And since we've talked social media already, I'm just going to plug the Facebook page really quick. Yep. We can be found at TB Talk Pod. Make sure you go and like our Facebook page at TB Talk Pod, and you will be able to see from the Canadian wrestling's elite, Sault Ste. Marie's own Vinny Da Vinci, <laughs> flying, yep. literally flying through the air in video. Mm-hmm. Now, this also leads into what uh, we want to talk about before we get to our showstopper segment here for this week. The future of professional wrestling in the town of Sault Ste. Marie, Carl. And what could possibly happen? Mm. This is a very hard and touchy subject to kind of go through. I mean, for me personally, I would love to see it just continue to strive and thrive within Sault Ste. Marie. Yep. Unfortunately, I, I, I just, I don't know. I really don't know. It, it feels like the crowds uh, just don't seem to really care anymore. It seems that the fans just, you know, don't seem to really want to go to the shows and take a look at the shows. Um, they, they just seem very anti anything besides what was here before, mm-hmm. right? And unfortunately, what was here before is is no longer here and no longer in business. Yeah. So we're not, you know, running shows on a monthly basis in Sault Ste. Marie anymore. Would I love to change that? 100%. I mean, if, if I had a professional wrestling ring available to me, yeah. if I could store one in my garage and take it out when needed, I, definitely I would love to be running a professional wrestling organization here in Sault Ste. Marie to make sure that we have it on a monthly basis. Unfortunately, that is not an option, but we do have professional wrestling coming in every six months pretty much every six months Canadian wrestling's elite and Danny are bringing in professional wrestling for everyone here. This should be something that is, is waited for and, and hoped for. And you know, like everybody should just be anticipating this great. Awesome. We're getting wrestling back in the Sioux again. Could it be that it's just not enough to keep the interest? I don't know, but 
I think one thing that uh, that could potentially help, and we talked about this before the recording, is a change in venue. There is a, a place here in Sault Ste. Marie, you know, that would facilitate the actual show, uh, even uh, a hotel for the guys to stay and a spot for the after show, basically all in one spot. So something like that, you know, can definitely probably. Uh, you know, generate some more interest, you know, and w- will there ever be, I think, a permanent, just a Sault Ste. Marie local wrestling company? That is tough to say at this point, but I think we can definitely enhance and help keep the CWE coming here on a regular basis and kind of enhance that. I think that uh, going forward, that, that that will be, you know, for the time being, the better approach to go with, you know, and to keep those names like the kingdom, like Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, like uh, Two Cold Scorpio coming in, you know, we can keep that going. And I think that that changed to a venue that's a bit more well-known and, and more people kind of travel through there. I think that that could help things going forward. Definitely it could. And I mean, there are a few different places within the downtown area of Sault Ste. Marie where, you know, this this could happen. And I mean, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not even going to put out any names of different places that, that this could be done at. But there are several areas downtown that, that this could happen with. And, you know, I hope that maybe... Um, Maybe that the CWE and the city of Sault Ste. Marie or the downtown association can, you know, get together, whether it's over a phone call or, or, or Skype or something, right? And just kind of maybe sit down and hash out something to be able to, you know, get some good sponsorship from the downtown association and get uh, good advertising from the downtown area and really help the downtown area you know get a little bit of a boost at least for that night. Yep. And who knows? Hopefully something like that can happen. So here's here's the hoping at least. And I think, you know, if if something like that can happen, especially a venue change because yeah. um we're not going to go into it, but things happened with this last venue that uh, were not ideal yeah. uh, so to speak. Um so going from that I don't know, we'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. All right, so for our show stopper segment this week, Carl. Yeah. I spent some time thinking about this and what the potential topic could be and uh, settled for something. I think that um, something that's really changed in the, in the professional wrestling business, you know, going looking back from when we first started watching to what things are like now. Yep. And this has to do with the punch and specifically punching each other in the face. Okay, so you're just talking a closed fist punch to the yeah, face. Exactly. Okay. So this used to be something that, you know, when we first started watching in the old school days, that the, the, the punch in the face specifically was something that, you know, typically the heel would use sparingly when the ref's back would be turned or something else would be happening, you know, to get that kind of cheap shot in and to kind of get away with something. And then when the the ref would look back, you know, he would be all, you know, looking surprised. Oh, what happened? And it wasn't me. Something else must have happened. You know, it was used very sparingly as something to get away with, you know, to get around that referee, to get a cheap shot in. You're right. 100% it was. It was something that, that very much so was just uh, used as a extra mm-hmm. i guess you could say that's really what it was it was an extra that would that went out there and really helped get a win whether it be a win or not for these uh these uh stars right mm-hmm. and i mean that's that's just the way that it was and it really has changed 100 percent uh over the last I don't know, I'd say maybe five, six, seven, ten years to a point now where you just have 
a punch in the face all the time, it seems. Yeah, you have guys running across the ring, punching each other's face, and it just it happens so often in the matches now. You know, and, and one of the, the side effects here that I think people are kind of ignoring is if you can do that right in front of the uh, in front of the face of the referee, you've essentially kind of buried or you compromise the even reason for having a ref there in the first place to keep order, to keep, you know, illegal blows and stuff happening, which, you know, for the longest time you know, the punch in the face was a, a closed punch to the face was something that was illegal. But now these guys are running all over the place and punching each other in the face in plain view of the ref and nothing happens. Very true. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you, you, you would you would honestly hear the referee at times, you know, back, back a few years ago, back, you know, you would hear them say, oh, open up the fist, open up the fist, because it, it, it was almost coming to a point where they were you know, having more and more punches to the face mm-hmm. and the ref would see it, but the ref would acknowledge it and be like, no, 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 open that fist. You do that again. Oh, watch out. Right. Yeah. But I mean, now it's just, it seems like it's an every day, every show, every match type of thing. I know it's going to sound pretty bad, but I think that this is an MMA effect. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I know that, you know, the industry, you know, is going to evolve and things are going to change, but it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're going to change that aspect of it, you need to make adjustments in the other part, you know, at least make, make the ref maybe, you know, okay, from now on, maybe this is something that we allow, but you know, they never really made that kind of clear. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about this for, for a while, and it's one of those things that's always just kind of bugged me for a little while. When you see guys just punching each other in the face, you know, in real life, outside professional wrestling, if you get punched in the face, it, it's most of the time for most of the average person out there, it's you're done, right? And, you know, not this taking a punch in the face and then, okay, then I'm going to suplex you right after that. Like, everything is just fine, right? It takes me out of yeah. the believability of the whole thing. You know, so uh, is that something that that's gonna change or get better? You know, if anything, it's probably just gonna stay the same, or it's gonna be one of those things that that kind of irritates me. But uh, but yeah, it's just something that I've noticed recently, and that's why I brought it up as a topic. That uh, that punch in the face thing—it's something that um, I think you know. It, it kind of changed the business a little bit, to say the very least. You're right. It did. It, it went through and it changed the business. And I wouldn't say it changed it in a huge way or a huge impact, but it is yeah. noticeable. 100% it's noticeable that now, you know, it just seems like everyone's going out there and punching in the face, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you take a look back in the day, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, he, he used it. Yep. 100% he did and he was he was a face. He was a good guy. Yep. Right? And, but how did he do it? It, it? it was all part of the little routine that he went through That's and his move sets and it was different, right? Yep. Nowadays it just seems like everyone's going out there and they're either one trying to MMA fight <laughs> or two they think that they're in a boxing match and they're just throwing strikes all the time and and especially closed fist strikes to the face as you said if in real life if that were to happen if somebody were to take five shots to the face what closed fisted yeah really 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 (laughs) really you're not going to be getting back up 
you know, super quick after something like that. And one of the, uh, the best places to go and kind of see a, a really good perspective of this is going to YouTube. And this ties in with one of our sponsors, Mr. Uh, Al Snow. Uh, I believe the, the YouTube channel, I think it's called Hannibal TV or something like that. And just type Al Snow talks about punching. And you'll find he actually is talking to a, to a group of uh, up-and-coming kind of training wrestlers about this very subject, about punching people in the face in the ring. And he probably explains it kind of better than maybe I possibly even could. So go and check that out and you'll you'll kind of see you know actually watching that video was one of the reasons why i thought up this topic i was like nice really interesting and i think it uh, you know is definitely uh, relevant to mention so yeah go watch everybody else know talk about punching people in the face yeah (laughs) all right carl i think that uh, about wraps up this week but before we go um let's talk about our sponsors yeah i mean you just alluded already (laughs) to our friend al snow who started and created collar and elbow brand.com make sure you go and check out collarandelbowbrand.com for all of the latest and greatest wear in professional wrestling we take professional wrestling passion and we turn it into street fashion mm. for everyone out there in the entire world, baby. That's what collarandelbowbrand.com does. Make sure you use our promo code, too. Use the promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, and you'll get yourself 10% off your entire order. Whether it is regular priced or clearance priced, you will get 10% off that entire order. As well, we have our sponsor, Hype City Vapors. For all of you that are vapors out there like myself, go and check out Hype City Vapors. They have right now their Christmas one out. It is amazing. You guys really need to go and check it out. Go and buy a bottle of that and use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout and get 15% off your entire order from HypeCityVapors.com. Awesome. And, of course, to listen to our episodes every week, I mean, there are a multitude of different ways that you can do it. Uh, you can find us on our original home of Rad Podbean. You can find us on Google Play Podcasts and Google Play Music. You can, first, of course, find us on iTunes and a lot of those other podcasters out there. And, of course, you can find us over at thegorillaposition.com as part of that Roar Network where you can listen to a different wrestling podcast every day of the week over there. That's right, seven days a week at thegorillaposition.com. Make sure you click where it says Roar Network. That will take you to all of the podcasts that are available from thegorillaposition.com. And if you want more information and more reading from thegorillaposition.com, make sure you go and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on all three of those social media platforms by searching at tb talk pod that is on facebook instagram and twitter tb talk pod awesome all right we will see you guys on the next one ciao this is gunstar hero of london rising and you are listening to carl and joe on turnbuckle talk (laughs) 